City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. Joining me, as he does every week, a little delayed after a, a cancelled plane or two back from Toronto, Chase Whitney. Chase, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Yeah, I, I had a had a weekend in the six, as as the kids say, uh, but it was more of a long weekend after some travel difficulties. But we are here, and I'm very excited for the episode that we have today. It is like peak off-season content but that is what makes the nba off-season so great is that you're still getting content like this in the dog days of summer so very no excited one, for no one would got. ever have thought to do this podcast topic ever I, this is you want original content this is original uh today we are doing a draft where we're drafting a starting five each of charlotte hornets slash bobcats players who played under 100 games for the teams so what we're kind of looking for here are those who had the sing- single greatest single seasons in Bobcats or Hornets history. The reason we didn't just do greatest single seasons is because there are quite a few guys who kind of got traded to the team, played like 10, 15, 20 games, and then spent the next year there, which were kind of quite impactful. So we wanted to include them, and we had to find a way, which was basically make it an under-100 game draft. And we even then bent the rules a little bit more because – Josh McRoberts played 104 games and there was just no way we were doing this exercise without including Josh McRoberts, McBob. So we also included him, even though he did 104, but that is where we stopped bending the rules, Chase. Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to this episode today. Uh, We have not discussed anything about who we were going to pick beforehand. So we are completely in the dark with each other here. Yeah, definitely had to make the spiritual exception for josh mcroberts but other than that we've got a rigid structure i mean i didn't we didn't get an exact count of how many players are on this list but i think it was like 160 or 170 or so that james put together a fantastic spreadsheet and found all of these players that have i mean uh, i'd love to take credit i basically copied and pasted from basketball reference so hey um you did more work than than i did so control c control v that's all you need Hey, work smarter, not harder. That's that's what they say. But yeah, I'm 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 pumped for this. This is this should be very interesting to see like who, which players we each pull out of the deep out of our memory from the mid 2000s and 2010s yeah. and the one the one hit wonders in Charlotte basketball history. Absolutely, and and there is no criteria for this. This is a really important thing I want people to know that we could have done like if you were trying to win a championship tomorrow, uh, but we didn't want to strap ourselves into these rigid corridors and handrails of what we need to pick. We just wanted to go like whatever we wanted to do. You know, one pick could be pure high. It could be the fit. It could be the player that made you fall in love with being the Hornets. It could be that he was part of a really successful team who 
had a good playoff run. I don't know if you can say any of them were good playoff runs, but relatively. Um, yeah, or you can just pick the best player on paper, right? In terms of you know the the numbers he put up, the role he played. But we are leaving this completely open to whatever we want. One other important thing to note is we are ruling out players currently on the roster. So likes of Mark Williams, Bryce McGowan's are not able to be picked. We are only being pe- choosing people who have been on the team previously to this past year. Um, before we start, one last thing I want to plug is allhornets.com. If you listen to the podcast and you haven't checked out allhornets.com, please go do so. I've published, by the time you listen to this, maybe all three parts of the fan survey, which I conducted recently. I don't know, about 500 responses, some really interesting info from there. Um, also make sure you're following us on social media. I am at British underscore buzz. Chase, what is your Twitter handle? At Chase Whitney underscore. There you go. I really should have known that because it's pretty simple. Um, <laughs> I, try, I try to keep it simple. You do. Um, so make sure you go check us out there. And if you like the podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review um, on Apple. Help other people find us and listen to the show as well. But Chase, are you ready to get this draft here? Any any last things we need to get to the listeners before we get started with this, with this draft? I think we're ready to dive right in. Do you want to flip the coin here for us? I'm going to flip the coin. Okay, off we go. Oh, I just realized we didn't even call a side. That is so true. That is important. I, I flipped that, the that coin and most, I looked, I looked at the result part. and I went, uh, I don't know what happens now. Um, <laughs> like, hmm, who said heads? Wait, nobody. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, right. Let's, 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 little rewind. Okay. Are you ready? You, you can make the call, Chase. All right. Let's go. Tails never fails. Okay. Let's have a look. It is Tails. So you get the first pick if you so want it. Which I have to say, I'm pretty good about. Um, And I I won't say why yet. But uh, over to you with the first pick of the under 100 games play draft for the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets. All right. So I'm very glad that I got this pick because I was I was worried that I wouldn't end up with this player, but maybe I would have, judging by how you reacted to getting the second pick. But with the first pick in the all-time Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats under 100 games played draft, I'm going to pick Tony Parker, one of the newest NBA Hall of Famers. Okay, uh, It was incredibly kind of Tony Parker to retire as a Hornet after – an extremely decorated and illustrious career with the Spurs. Uh, He was only one of four players to have ever worn a Charlotte uniform during their career and then be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Obviously, the majority of that was with the Spurs, but still. uh, He put up nine and four off the bench in the 18-19 season, was an extremely solid backup point guard, veteran leader, locker room figure. And uh, for Devontae Graham specifically, I believe he mentioned like down the line multiple times that Tony Parker was like a mentor type figure for him that year and really helped him as he kind of like bounced back back and forth between the Hornets and Greensboro. And then Devontae went on to lead the team in scoring the next season. So Tony Parker is my number one pick. He may not have had like the best statistical season that year, but one of four Hall of Famers to ever run through the franchise uh, that's that's got to count for something and just like an all time point guard of the last 20 years. So Tony Parker, first overall pick. 
it was a fantastic year. I mean, it was for him, his year in Charlotte. Uh, it was, I, I don't even know. It's seven number season 17, right? That is crazy. He was 36 years old, played with the Spurs his whole career. And the reason he came to Charlotte, if you remember, is James Borrego was here. And he was an assistant coach with him in San Antonio. And he was going to be the third choice point guard for San Antonio. And he was pretty upset. If you, everyone thought he was going to retire a spur. He was going to be behind uh, DeJounte Murray was going to start and Paddy Mills was going to be the backup. And he was told, we want you back for your third choice. And he went, no, I can still play. And he went to Charlotte and he played. Did have to deal with a foot injury. Didn't play back-to-backs, but was just an outstanding contributor and, and still looked like if it wasn't for the kind of the age and the health, he still had all the skills and the smarts to be able to play a really good role. And I think, he, yeah, one of the best backups of the Kemba Walker era. Absolutely. I think a, a worthy selection at number one, James, who do we got going off cool. the board at number two here? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good right now because Tony Park was not number one on my board. Um, I think there is a clear cut number one. And I'm going back a little bit further, Chase. I'm going back to the 2008-9 season. And I'm selecting Jason Richardson of the Charlotte Bobcats. Um, Jason Richardson, in his one season in Charlotte, played all 82 games, Warrior. 38 minutes per game. He averaged 22 points, five rebounds, three assists, 1.4 steals. At the time, was way ahead of his time. 7.3s a game, 7.3 threes a game in 2008. That was almost unheard of. Shot 40, 41% on them, basically. Uh, led this team in scoring, was just an outstanding player, highlight dunks, three point shot maker, played every single game. I, I don't know what more you could want from a single season warrior as a guy. And, and when you're talking about depth on my team here, Positions, small forward for me was the weakest area. And and Jay Rich played just over half his minutes at small forward. So I, I took him at small. I'm placing Jason Richardson in at small forward. Um, if you haven't, if you're maybe a younger fan or you only start following when they became the Hornets again, please go watch some Jason Richardson Charlotte Bobcats highlights because he was as fun a player as there has been that has played for the franchise. Jason Richardson was the next player on my board. He, yes. I just like strongly considered him for number one. Like when, when we first started researching for this, I went down a pretty deep Jason Richardson <laughs> rabbit hole. Like the, so he, he, the only reason he was acquired by the Hornets or the, by the Bobcats was he was traded for the eighth pick in the 2008 draft, which was Brandon Wright, a UNC guy. And then he came over after playing with the Warriors for five years and, you know, making an all-star team, winning that crazy dunk contest in the early 2000s and really like making his mark on the league with those like early 2000s Warriors teams. And then just absolutely lit it. Like arguably was one of the best seasons, if not the best full season of his career. Those uh, The 21.8 points was the second highest mark per game. Like somehow yeah. he was not even top 10 in Eastern Conference all-star voting. Uh, among guards that season, which I thought was crazy when I went and looked back at that. Well, what was, I was the record? Like, I, I, it must have been a down year, I have to say. Like, they couldn't have been very good that year. I'm guessing that played a role. I think so. I think they were, it was, I think, but I think it was one of the years before they like really started to trail off and then obviously had the seven and 59 se season a couple years later. But 
they obviously I don't think that they were a very good team either. I think yeah, the, they were 35 and 47 that season. So obviously ah, that this, that's actually pretty good for the Bobcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's not terrible, but that, that obviously played some sort of role. But like yeah, but I was completely shocked that he had no accolades to show for that season at all. Like some guys that were ahead of him in Eastern Conference All-Star voting that year. Do we wanna do we wanna pull some names out right yeah, now? Yeah, let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's go. All right, so it was Michael Red, all-time mid-2000s player that, like, just peaked and then fell off extremely quickly. Yeah. Rip Hamilton, yeah. another another great shooter. Joe Johnson, ISO Joe, somehow ended up playing, like, 20 years as a professional basketball player. And then another one, one of my all-time favorites point guards from that era, is TJ Ford, was the 10th leading vote-getter among Eastern Conference guards that season. Uh, they didn't list past 10 because I imagine they didn't really keep track of it in as much detail as they do now. Um, but Jason Richardson had to have been close to that top 10 era, area, but just didn't quite get there. He had, they had 16 30-point games, uh, put, put up 42 against the Warriors in his first season after playing them. Uh, it, he was just a very high-quality basketball player. And he actually I think he played like 96 or 97 games with the Bobcats, so barely yeah. made the cut too, but it was definitely the highest peak of maybe anybody on this list. And and when I was researching with this, this is a, a piece of analysis I read on Bleach Report. Part of the reason the Bobcats were comfortable making this trade, because in the end they traded him for Raja Bell, Boris Diaw, and I think they also traded him with Jared Dudley, I want to say. Um, I believe to, so. yeah, to Yeah, Phoenix. to the Phoenix Suns. Was because of the emergence of DJ Augustin. Who had scored twenty points? <laughs> who had scored twenty points three times uh, when Richardson was hurt in late November? Um, so I mean, obviously, like they traded that one piece for more kind of a couple of pieces. Roger Bell, Dial both started for the team, so it's a bit of a one for two trade. But Jared Dudley also went on to have a really good NBA career himself. Um, unfortunately, not really in Charlotte, but but in Phoenix, kind of broke out into the rotation. And so, yeah. Jason Richardson, I'm thrilled to get him with the uh, with the second overall pick. But back to you for number three. All right, we're going to keep it in the backcourt here. Three guards coming off the board in the top three. Uh, he only played in 28 regular season games, uh, along with seven playoff games, uh, but provided easily the most thrilling postseason moment in recent Hornets history. That is one Courtney Lee. He was acquired uh, midseason by the Hornets, and then in 2016-17, and in the game four or game five of the first round series against Miami, he, the Hornets were down 88-87 with about 30 seconds to go. Sank a go-ahead three. Best part about it, off of an offensive rebound that he like really hustled for and crashed the boards. And he just yep. like he grabbed the he came in off the right wing, uh, turned like grabbed the rebound, turned around and pitched it to Jeremy Lin and just relocated to the top of the three and drilled it. And that shot, I think it was like 25 seconds left after he hit it. The Hornets were up 90 to 88 and they eventually went up three to two in the series. But obviously we know how that ended. And this is a happy and fun episode. So we will not elaborate on that further. But in that moment, Courtney Lee provided Hornets fans with, I think, more hope for like genuine postseason success than the team has had at any point in their return to Charlotte since 2004. So credit to Courtney Lee. I think that moment specifically, because he's basically the only player that's had a big playoff moment for the Hornets of that nature in the last couple decades. So 
I think that is worth a lot. And I got him with my, my second pick. So I got a Tony Parker and Courtney Lee backcourt for my under 100 games. It's, team. it's a very solid pick. Um, Interestingly, they, they got Courtney Lee at the trade deadline by trading uh, PJ Haston and two second round draft picks, which this is one of those ones where you look back on, even at the time, it's like, well, we're trading for like a one-year expiring short-term fix. We're trading a, a young player at the time had fallen out of favor, PJ Haston. He had a lot of opportunity. He never really put it together. But you're trading two second round picks for a rental for the last 20-something games and maybe a playoff run at that time. Is it worth it? And you look back on it now and you could you probably argue, well, Lenny left in free agency and you've gone out second round picks for what? But like you said, for those memories, for, for that moment, uh, that, you know, you talk about the greatest moments in Charlotte history in recent times and you can't tell that story without Courtney Lee. And I think that means something. I don't think you can always point and be like, oh, well, they didn't win the Eastern Conference Championship. They didn't do X and Y. It doesn't matter. It, you can't just like hold every asset and then like trade them away when you're like ready to win everything. It just doesn't work like that. And it is a consistent theme that some of the, the guys, obviously we're going to talk about today, weren't retained after their one solid season in Charlotte, which is a, yeah, which is an interesting trend. And we'll, we'll see if we can identify any of those trends as to why, but Courtney Lee, uh, a great selection. I think there at, at number three uh, was, was in consideration for me as well. Okay. Number four, um, I'm going to stop the slide right now um, of the one and only Josh McRoberts. Uh, McBob was, was traded to the Charlotte Hornets, uh, well, the Bobcats at the time, actually, to the Charlotte Bobcats, for Hakeem Warwick, who was essentially out of the rotation and done absolutely nothing. Uh, and he had uh, half a year and one full season left in his contract. While in Charlotte, he averaged around Eight points, five rebounds, four assists. But really interesting, Steve Clifford just basically started running the entire Charlotte Bobcats offense through Josh McRoberts. And this is Josh McRoberts, the, firstly, just a cult hero in so many ways. The hair, for one. Let's just start with the hair. You can see it right there on the screen for those watching maybe on YouTube. Just glorious locks. I mean, who's not jealous of having flowing locks like that? Um, it didn't matter if he had a hairband. Well, if he let it go, it was all great. The, dunks, the versatility of the hairdos was one was arguably yeah. the strongest point for him in my in favor for me. Absolutely, uh, the dunks, sneaky dunker, especially for a white guy, sneaky mm -hmm. dunker. Josh Roberts, if you check out some of his dunks, and just like the arrogance that he played with as someone who had like proven very little in the NBA, but he played like an all star. You know, have just some of the swagger he threw with some of his passes and playing through it. Um, it was a fun ride. And that also obviously coincided with a really successful time in Charlotte history where they went again, played the Miami Heat. Um, and he ended up leaving after his one season, actually signing Miami, which is a real shame because I know he was a, a big popular uh, fan favorite, McRoberts at the time. Um, but I'm taking Josh McRoberts for just for the, the, the guy who gets traded for absolutely nothing. And there's a hundred people every time anyone gets traded, they go, Oh, this could be a steal. And 99 times he just turns into another guy who doesn't really matter and doesn't exist. But this is the rare time where you put someone off the scrap heap for nothing. And he's turned into like a playoff starter for you and was legitimately good. Um, so yeah, it was just a fun ride with Josh McRoberts. 
And I'm happy we bent the rules to be able to fit him in. And I'm happy to have him uh, next to Jason Richardson starting at power forward. Yeah, I mean, he had easily the best seasons of his career with the Hornets. Career highs of 8.6 points and 4.3 assists per game. And the uh, per 36 minute numbers are a bit wonky for players that don't play like huge minutes or don't play a ton of games. But he averaged 10, 6, and 5 per 36 with the Bobcats in 2013-14. And they were a playoff team that year. Uh, started all 78 games he played in. He was like insanely reliable. And it was the really the only point in his career that was like that for like more than, you know, stretches of a season or one full season. Like it, it, it's just, the peak started and finished in Charlotte for, for McBob. And I don't, we wouldn't have it any other way. We got to have somebody to call our own and there's no fan base. Obviously people liked him at the time, but there's no fan base that holds him as near and no. dear at, uh, as Charlotte Hornets fans do. And for those people who hate LeBron, he'll always be remembered for the guy who yep. elbowed LeBron in the throat in Game 3 of the playoff series. And if you haven't yep. seen that, go go look at it. Yeah, it was a dirty play. I can't lie. But he was a real competitor. He had that fiery side to him. And when you're a guy like that, you, you need to have that when you're fighting you know, to have an NBA career. And that's what he was before he got to Charlotte. And I'm glad he was able to get paid afterwards. Injuries really hampered his career from that point forward. But it, yeah, it was a great ride with Josh McRoberts. And um, yeah, I, I have very fond memories of McBob. I think we all do. But now we're going to add another big to this list with the fifth pick. I, honestly, I've, so far, the players on my board that I had for this draft have come off in order one, two, three, four. So wow, okay. we'll, we'll see how, how this one goes. Because I got Tyson Chandler with the fifth pick. In this draft, he is one. He is one of two All NBA players among those eligible for this draft. Which, to me, that has to count for something. Obviously, it was not with Charlotte because he was pretty injured that year. I believe he, that was like when his foot problems or like lower body injury problems started. Uh, was the year with uh, Charlotte? But you know, I mean, story of our lives. Like some player comes here and gets hurt or is better when he leaves or something like that. But the Bobcats also traded a Mecca Okafor to acquire him. Uh, I thought he was a worthy selection just because of how decorated his career is in comparison to most players with less than a hundred games played for the Hornets or the Bobcats, all defense, all NBA, like led the league in blocks multiple times played in the NBA for a decade and a half. Uh, like if this team that I were drafting were to actually play a real game, I would be very happy with my interior defense and just the two way play of my, starting center here in Tyson Chandler. With your own criteria, I completely get the pick. Didn't even make my, well, he was on my very extended shortlist, but isn't even in my top 15 players. Ooh, um, okay. The reason being, I went off the emotional memory of these players and the emotion of Tyson Chandler was not great. Uh, he came with promise of big things and he was injured a lot of the year. He was so injured that the Charlotte Bobcats had to trade for Thea Ratliff from the San Antonio Spurs, who actually started ahead of him in the playoffs, no less. Thea Ratliff, at whatever age it was, started ahead of a 27-year-old Tyson Chandler, who should have been in his prime. Um, and I, I just never really got the feeling and the vibe. Like, he didn't play that well here. He was dealing, I think, with a big toe injury from memory. 
Um, he never played that well, and I didn't ever get the feeling he was he was longed to be in Charlotte. And literally, as soon as you traded him away, I think he went and won the championship with the Dallas Mavericks the next year. And that always just left a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth because I didn't think we got the best out of him. So for that reason, he wasn't on my shortlist because my memory of Tyson Chandler wasn't a positive one. But like you say, if you're creating a, a list of players to put together to win, and like we said, we can use our own criteria, have wherever we want it. I completely understand the Tyson Chandler pick, but didn't make my list. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. I, I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of a memory of like the vibe about him because I was very I was very young at that time, so I did not understand like NBA discourse uh, in any real way. But you are correct. As as soon as he left, he won the championship, and then two years later, made an All Star team. Uh, an All-NBA with the Knicks. And I believe he won All-Defense uh, while he was with the Mavericks. So, yeah, definitely is a very decorated player. I think other than Tony Parker is the most decorated player, most All-NBA, All-Star appearances uh, of anybody on this list. But unfortunately, yeah, he did, he did blow up basically as soon as he left Charlotte. And you know so. what they got back for uh, Tyson Chandler in the trade with Dallas? Who I, I don't remember, but... Eddie, Eddie Nahara, Matt Carroll, and Eric Dampier. Totally worth it. The guy totally who just went it. on to win Defensive Player of the Year and be the starting center on a championship team. Um, Eric Dampier, uh, known as the Dust Chip, he had a... It wasn't even a non-guaranteed contract. It was a, it was weird terminology. It was a... I can't remember it now. But the, the contract, it was a voidable contract. That was right. Which made, it meant it was some secret trade value thing that people thought we could turn into an all-star and ended up trying to and they just waived him so they basically did it for matt carroll and eddie nahara who look both both great guys but what are you doing trading your starting center for those um not tyson chandler's fault mind you but um yeah okay let's move on my third pick and i'm getting the guy who was third on my big board Right, so I'm Ooh. I'm pretty happy. I've got my top got three picks on my pick right, right now. Absolutely, um, I'm going for Jeremy Lin of the Charlotte Hornets, who had his single season 2015-16 was in Charlotte. He averaged just under 12 points, three rebounds, three assists per game. Um, brought a little bit of Lin sanity to North Carolina, and had a real kind of bounce back year, kind of after a little bit of downtime with the Lakers, signed with Charlotte on that one-year deal, ended up getting a big deal afterwards um, with Brooklyn, I believe it was. Never really, he had a good year afterwards, and then I think he had that serious knee injury and was never quite the same after that, unfortunately. But Jeremy Lin was a fantastic backup, and they ended up playing a lot of Jeremy Lin alongside Kemba Walker, and that was actually a really good lineup. And again, you mentioned him earlier when you were talking about that Courtney Lee shot, Jeremy Lin was part of that team that took mm -hmm. Miami to seven games. And he was an integral part of that. Um, he was a little bit hurt, I think, down the stretch of the season. He had an, an ankle injury, which limited his impact down the stretch. But I had actually Jeremy Lin just ahead of Tony Parker in my own rankings here. I mean, and, and I looked at win shares for all of these players as well. So I went advanced on some of these stats because I found it difficult comparing some of the other advanced stats and traditional stats when you talk about different eras. Win shares, I like to think, is a stat that kind of transcends areas a little bit. And Tony Parker, 0.9 win shares. Jeremy Lin, 3.5. So was was comfortably ahead. 
And, I, you know, he was a really impactful on a, on a super winning team, as was Tony Parker. But I just nudged Jeremy Lin ahead just slightly. Yeah, Jeremy Lin, that one season, which, I mean, it was kind of like not the same path that Dennis Smith Jr. took, but very similar to where he had kind of fall, seemed like he was about to fall out of favor with the league. Because after he left New York, he had those, like, I think it was like one or two years in Houston that were decent. And then with the Lakers, like you said, he had pretty much like gotten to the point where he was on the brink of being in the NBA. And then he came to Charlotte, was one of the better backup point guards in the league that year. And his like defensive or just general versatility is I feel like very underrated part of his game. Like he was, he had good size. He was a good defender. He could shoot pass, handle the ball, like all at a requisite level for uh, NBA backup guard in like the mid 2010s. So he was very close to, he was not the next player on my board, but he was three players down from where I am right now. So very close for me as well. And could have been on the, on the team if the draft had, had gone differently for sure. Yep. Okay, your pick. All right, this is another one. There's a guy, I'm going to three-guard lineup here. Oh. So he kind of rounded out his career with the Hornets. Uh, mainly known for playing with the Bulls, but played with a couple other teams as well. We got Ben Gordon coming off the list next. Oh my gosh, a, I think I just threw a, up in my mouth. A native of London, the United Kingdom, which I did not even know until I'm reading his basketball reference page ben right now. Gordon. Oh, my God. Yes. See, this is another guy that's really good for hoop grids, along with a couple of the others that we've already mentioned. But his first year with the Hornets, he put up 11 points per game, shot 39% from three. That was kind of like his thing for his whole career, just a shooter scorer type. Uh, the, those best years came with Chicago, but... You know, when you're doing a draft of players that played under 100 games with the Hornets, most of the time those best years are going to come with other teams because they will presumably would have played 100 game, more than 100 games if they had played that well with the Hornets. But Ben Gordon is filling out my – I guess he would be the small forward in, in this lineup for me, but I'm definitely running very small here with, with making Tyson Chandler do a lot of work uh, on defense to clean up for three guys under 6'3 in my – starting five so far. Wow. Well, going off my previous rationale of I'm basing off vibes, the Ben Gordon vibes are pretty, pretty atrocious. Um, oh, yeah. Ben Gordon was basically thrown off the team after he wanted to fight Mike Dunlap in practice. Um, oh, yeah. I believe he refused to stop bouncing the ball. Um, he like He'd obviously, like, he was a a long time pro and he knew that Mike Dunlap was not cut out to be a head coach and probably pretty challenged him pretty early in a pretty disastrous year. Um, but I mean, he was, he was part of one of the, the worst seasons in Charlotte Hornets history and like just really struggled to actually catch on anywhere in the NBA. I believe after being in Charlotte, really, you know, he was out of the league. Yeah. After he signed in Orlando, yeah, I think Charlotte, he played his two of his last three seasons with Charlotte, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in, in that first year he was better, but he was never the player that you, you know, that we saw with Chicago and even after Detroit, he didn't, it wasn't able to bring back his career. So, I mean, for me, the the vibes of Ben Gordon were were not good vibes. It was a very disappointing move. I, d I don't know what they ended up if they ended up waving him or if they ended up trading him. I can't even remember what the move was. But um, yeah, not a guy on my list. Very happy that you took him. But yeah, 
All right, let's let's roll into the next one. All right, uh, my next pick, and I'm getting the number fourth guy on my big board, Kwame Brown. Come on down. Oh, here we go. Now we're getting into the the deep cuts with Ben Gordon and Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown, I I know he is a pretty much a joke for a lot of his NBA career. However, this was a beautiful story of Michael Jordan taking the guy who he picked first overall for Washington in 2001, 10 years later, signing him at the age of 28 for Charlotte. And in that year, he basically started for most of the seasons, 50 out of 66 games, uh, eight points, seven rebounds, 0.6 blocks a game, and just played pretty good basketball. Like uh, Up to that point in his career, he'd never really established himself in any particular way. But he was actually a semi-reliable starting center and ended up going on to get signed by Golden State the next year. Didn't do much, arguably, and was out of the league not long after. But this was a comeback story of him and Jordan reuniting and him playing pretty well after just being out the rotation. So the big big market really wasn't great here um, after you you took Tyson Chandler. I've taken Kwame Brown. There was a certain Mr... Howard, who neither of us have picked, um, who we'll, we'll maybe touch on honorable mentions after we finish the draft. Um, but yeah, Kwame Brown is who I, who I picked. A great single season uh, for ex- in line with expectations, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he ended up starting 50 games that year, which was the second highest total of his entire career. So definitely one of the best seasons of his career with the Hornets. And I didn't even know that, you know, that was like something that, you know, the Jordan had set out to do at the time. But that, that is a, a good little aspect, a little personal aspect for the two of them that that adds on to his basically the bookend of his NBA career. He only played in 31 more games over the next two seasons after that. So yep. figuratively, he retired as a Hornet. But OK, uh, if it's you, if this is your last pick. This is my last pick. And I scoured this list because I wanted to I desperately wanted to find a player that had only appeared in one game for the Hornets. Oh god. <laughs> and I found one. And oh, no. that player is going to be in my starting five. And this it worked perfectly because it is purely a bias pick for me. James Sutherland played in one game oh, for Charlotte. Syracuse Logged a total of three (laughs) minutes, went 0 for 3 from the field, never saw the floor for the team again, was waived in early December of 2013, played in four games for New Orleans later that year, and ever since has bounced around overseas and in the G League. And James, you are absolutely right. He went to college at Syracuse, he played at a New England prep school, and he grew up in New York City. He checks all of my personal boxes, and at the time, he was one of the only like I was like 13 or 14 when he was playing in college. He was like one of the players that I thought was like actually going to be good in the NBA and was like, no, he's going to be a shooting specialist. He's tall and he can defend and he can shoot from anywhere on the court. He's going to be so good for how they play basketball now. Uh, he was not, but I like him nonetheless. And he you, played didn't sh- in- you didn't follow Charlotte at that point, did you? I, yeah, I was more like general nba follower when i was younger was I didn't he really your like, route like, to, to following the the bobcats and part, the partially yes because I, I watched him wow. play that's I even sadder that, than my adam morrison story oh totally like <laughs> 10 times yeah i i think that i 
may that may have been the first like summer league that I watched was like that year. Um, and then I think that was also like the lockout year or something like after that, like the year before or after that too, which that whole thing was another thing that like got me into the NBA. Um, and then like the Hornets specifically, because during the lockout year was the seven and 59 thing. And then this came along a couple years later. And now here I am between that and James Sutherland, we're, we're making a podcast, but yeah, I, I, I desperately wanted somebody that only played one game. I thought that that was going to be like hard to find, but he was, he was like right near the top of the long spreadsheet of players that that we had here that were eligible for this draft and well that's because i sorted it by games played so of course he was going to be at the top <laughs> okay well there we go that makes perfect sense i didn't even look at the next guys that were under them so there we yeah. go that's perfect james james sutherland is, is well makes my starting I'm, five off i'm of glad three minutes and this is why this exercise is great because everyone has different connections to players on the team sometimes you might bump into someone in person like you say, it was a guy who played for your college. You got to get your homer pick in. So I, I love the standing for James Sutherland. I, unsurprisingly for you, wasn't on my list. But um, this is why I, I figured he, I figured he would have been the next guy on there for you. I, I can't <laughs> believe that. Okay, now I'm filling out my roster spot, and I have one position left at shooting guard. And. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, okay, I think I know who I'm going to go with. Uh, and I'm going to select Raja Bell, um, who was part of the aforementioned trade with Jason Richardson. Uh, Raja Bell was in Charlotte for the 2008-9 season, played 45 games. And then he got traded and then was placing here for part of the next season. But in that time, had a career high, averaged 13 points per game in 2008-9 while in Charlotte. Um, took on a more offensive role playing under Larry Brown and just one of like the toughest guarding defensive guys who've ever played in one of the backcourt positions for Charlotte um, was known as the Kobe stopper was a kind of a Bowen type defender where he just shot threes, ran off, ran off a lot of screens and started quite a lot of fights. And I always really liked that about Roger. He was a real leader, a real tenacious competitor, and he's gone on to have a great NBA media career now. Um, which is which is a joy. So I, I always really had a soft spot for Raja Bell. You think about now, three and D, that skill set, I think would be so much more useful now than it was then. I mean, he was only taking, what, 4.8 threes a game in 2010. I mean, now he'd be taking like 10 a game. He was a 41% three-point shooter for his entire career. And he played lockdown defense. Um, so I really feel like he is someone who maybe came at the wrong time. Uh, interestingly, Gordon Hayward was Raja Bell's vet when he played in Utah. So they are still well-connected and good friends to this day. And it's nice to have that little bit of a connection. So I'm putting Raja Bell at shooting guard in between Jason Richardson and Jeremy Lin to round out my starting five. That is a great pick. He was at the top of my honorable mentions list. And I mean, if you isolate the like second half of the season in 0809 where he was traded to Charlotte from yep. Phoenix. Uh, that's like one of the highest scoring portions of his career. So the production was absolutely there. He was, like you said, was a great locker room and leadership guy. That, that is a very good pick. He was right at the top of my uh, honorable mentions list here. So I, I would probably have gone with him if I didn't take some of these other guys ahead of him. And I'm trying to think now that there was one year where Charlotte were like the best defense in the NBA. And it was under Larry Brown. 
Um, and I want to try and find this now. And I, I think the Raja Bell might have been part of that, uh, where Charlotte were winning every game by like 95 to 83 and stuff like that. And even at the time, it was bizarre because the, the, the NBA was in the process of beginning to change, have a little bit more three-point shooting. Um, so yeah, so Raja Bell makes the list. Um, Chase, who are some honorable mentions? Who are some guys that you just want to give a shout out to who maybe didn't get selected in this pick? And we're going to share this on social media so everyone will be able to see our picks. Uh, there were a ton of players that I had written down uh, in case of emergency. The two that I had really wanted to select that, or uh, that I would have selected, I should say, that I didn't end up having to because we didn't have enough picks that overlapped uh, was Christian Wood and Luke Ridnour. They're only because they are perfect examples, again, of players that were really good for like sizable portions of their career other than when they were with Charlotte, which is like, yeah. especially for that era, like Luke Ridnour's era, just the story of Charlotte basketball. So they were more of like memorials to the time period that they played in. Uh, and I mean, obviously in Christian Wood, like maybe they use part of the MLE on him this summer or fall maybe it's kind of the only option if you want somebody that is going to be in a playoff level rotation. But obviously I don't actually think that that's likely, but Hey, maybe there's a, a Charlotte reprise in, in order here uh, in a 1% chance that, that that happens. I mean, look, it's technically possible. They've obviously had multiple chances to sign Christian Wood before and they oh, never yeah. have, but Maybe the reason he hasn't signed somewhere is because he's waiting to see what happens in Charlotte. We're waiting to see what happens with PG Washington because maybe there is a role there if he was to, to come in. I, I don't know. I I don't know about Christian Wood, but just the way that the whole NBA seems to treat him and think oh, of yes. him just suggests there are some really big things to worry about that you don't see when you, you check the box scores. But but maybe. Um, I also had a long list of, of guys. I, I will say, n neither has picked a classic Charlotte player from the old era. And I think I yes, will admit on both of our true. accounts that there is a probably a little bit of lack of knowledge on the older era, but absolutely. Yeah. I found myself going down a, an Armin Gilliam rabbit hole. And that might not be a name that you've heard of before chase, but I don't in think Charlotte, so. Honestly, in his 85 games averaged 19 and a half points, nine rebounds, like just over an assist, just under a block a game and a steal per game, um, was was basically very close to 2010 guy. And uh, he actually passed away in 2011 while uh, had a heart attack while playing basketball at long after he'd retired. So rest in peace, Armand Gilliam. But he was a guy who, if I'd not got Josh McRoberts with my pick, he was actually going to be my pickup power forward. So I want to give a shout out to Armand Gilliam. A couple of other shout outs for Old Hornets, Kareem Rush, Kenny Anderson, a um, couple of other guys who who I wanted to get out there who are from the older generation. So yeah. if you were I had, looking I had to... Kenny Anderson on my short list. I think he's yeah. also one of the only other guys that had made an all-star team that was on this yeah. list. It was with New Jersey, but he was uh, an all-star at some point. Absolutely. Um, any other names that you had that you want to rattle off here? So for an older, like pre- expansion charlotte era i had vernon maxwell i think this was the tail end of his career but just his twitter persona at this point i think is is worthy of of remembering uh especially because he had i mean his battle with utah jazz fans 
over the years has just been absolutely incredible. And I'm glad that the person who is, you know, fighting that fight got to wear a Hornets uniform at some point. Uh, I also had uh, Arnaldus Colboca, I guess, was probably the most recent player that I had on my list uh, because he was the international man of mystery for yeah. so long. And Charlotte, right, like Hornets fans just like revered not necessarily what he was, but what he could be. And the idea it obviously, him. right, it, exactly. It didn't amount to anything, but for so long, there was so much hope around Arnaldus Koboka. And I mean, he's already back in Europe, likely where he's going to play out the majority of his basketball career. So I had him on there. Uh, and then you, uh, you mentioned earlier, the crop of bigs was not very impressive. That was something that I struggled with too. The only other bigs even on my, uh, honorable mentions list were Roy Hibbert and Brendan Haywood. Neither of them were like particularly great, but it was just because they were good at some point in their career. Really, why not um, Dwight Howard? I see, like you, we, I, I've tried to leave vibes out of it for a lot of it, um, and just go off of <laughs> like what the stats were. Him. Yeah, they were just too bad. And uh, another player that had that uh, scenario was Spencer Hawes. Like, I just feel like he was a guy that people did not like. And like, at least with Ben Gordon uh, or like Tyson Chandler, like Tyson Chandler, especially, he just got hurt a bunch and that was out of his control. But Ben Gordon was just a veteran that was being like, yeah, this guy is not cut out for this like at all. Uh, obviously not OK to do, but I feel like it, it, like the other he didn't seem like from my you know perspective of looking back on it anyway, it doesn't seem like as much of like a bad teammate or like weird presence in the locker room uh, in the way that. Howard and Spencer Hawes seem to have been in their time. Well, I mean, I had Spencer Hawes as my second big rank after Kwame Brown. I I didn't remember it that way. He was a little bit disappointing, yes, but a, another guy with great hair and did some funky stuff. Uh, Byron Mullins was another guy. Theo mm. Ratliff. Um, Theo Ratliff was was on my list as well. Was he came was right he technically? Again. He was a Bobcats. Did he ever play for the? He was just a um, Bobcat. He played basically yeah, okay. that that single season, same one as Tyson Chandler did. And started in the playoffs and basically just fouled Shaq every time he touched the ball. And that was basically what he was there for. Um, Not a bad play. Uh, no. Mon Montrez Harrell, again, honorable mention. Um, I'm going to take you on a whirlwind tour quickly of other guys on my list. DJ White, Kurt Rambis, Jermaine Jones, Anthony Tolliver, Walter Herman, Corey Maggetti, Chris Douglas Roberts. Always remember that game winner. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk, uh, Gary Neal, Kareem Rush. Dennis Smith Jr. and Mo Williams. So there you go. These are all on my depth chart. We were never going to get that far, but they're all guys who I, I have fond memories of or moments for their time in Charlotte. Uh, Mo Williams also went on to be, make a, ooh, I was going to say an all-star appearance. I think he did make an all-star appearance yes. playing with LeBron. He, he yeah. is one of the guys that LeBron, him and uh, <laughs> Daniel Gibson, LeBron yes. James made them all-stars. If that's not a testament Very to LeBron being one of the best, if not the best players of all time, I don't know what would be. Yeah. Um, but overall, just a fun exercise to go through. Uh, and hopefully you guys listening enjoyed it as much and me and Chase did going through and revisiting some of these seasons and talking about some of these guys. Um, like we say, great off-season content. What, what couldn't you enjoy? Okay. Uh, let's leave it there. Chase, you want to get anything out for the people? I hope, yeah. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Definitely, if you guys can 
find the criteria and filter out all the players that have played more than 100 yeah. games. Send us That's your nice. starting five of the greatest single season in Bobcats slash Hornets history. I mean, clearly the, the difference between just James and I is like this is entirely subjective. You could do the five highest scorers. You could do the five players that you liked the most. You could do five people with the longest hair for which Josh McRoberts will still get taken off the board uh, right at the top. So, yeah, man, let, let us. Walton, yeah, right. on. Uh, hold, let's keep going with uh, this. Uh, Nahara had pretty long hair as Eddie well. Eddie Nahara can make it in that. I'm struggling with point guards, yep. though. That's where I'm struggling. But, yeah, we, we started well there. Yeah, um, we definitely did. Let let us know your your starting fives as well. So this is this is peak off season stuff. Though we gotta we gotta keep talking about basketball somehow. So let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube, and we'll chat to you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>